So the first question from Michelle Himborg in Thailand. Can we get ekagata single-pointedness by maintaining a single preoccupation such as the breath, everything related to the breath? Or do we have to be one-pointed on a single point, as for example at the nose? I remember a story with Lungpu Tate who did ask a child to contemplate and think about his beloved buffalo, which allowed him to drop into deep samadhi. Thank you, Lumpu, for the opportunities given. <coughs> so this practice of samadhi is to recollect and know a single mental object. So practice in this way. If looking at the breath uh, doesn't work for oneself, then one can uh, recollect a buffalo. Um, the point is to bring the mind to peacefulness and stillness, uh, to bring it to a single point. So this is possible, uh, recollecting uh, a buffalo in this way. Or one can look at the breath and have mindfulness with the in and out breath. And if one, if one is mindful, uh, properly in this way, if one is mindful enough, then the mind can gather in samadhi. Or for instance, contemplating the four elements, the mind can gather to one point doing this as well. Or some people contemplate uh, corpses and reflect, uh, I must also die. And this can also bring the mind to a single point. There's no need to separate out these methods whatever kamatana, whatever, whatever meditation object works, uh, you can do this to bring the mind to a single point. So next question from Stephen Hong, Malaysia. Dear Lumpur, during my sitting meditation whilst having samadhi, I've noticed that there are times when I notice small gaps between the thoughts. What are these gaps? Is it important to continue to notice these gaps and what can I learn from these gaps? Thank you, Lumpur. Lumpur Nan said, these open spaces is a, are a natural type of emptiness. These gaps are a natural type of space or emptiness that uh, happens. So just have mindfulness to observe these gaps and notice that one's thoughts uh, reduce and have this uh, emptiness or spaciousness, this gap, to be the object of the mind. And in this way, the, the mind can gather together. This is the arising of samadhi. So these gaps, uh, this is the result of uh, mindfulness. And the samadhi arising uh, comes from mindfulness of this open, empty space. So may you be mindful of these open, empty gaps in order to give rise to samadhi. May you be proficient in this uh, to give rise to peace. So next question, uh, anonymous question. Dear Lumpur, thank you for the precious opportunity to attend this retreat. I have a question regarding my meditation practice. When I meditate at home during the nighttime, I sometimes experience sharp pain as if someone pricked me with a needle. The pain would jolt me out of my meditation, but when I open my eyes, I do not see anything at the spot where I felt the pain. This occurs at random parts of my body. How should I manage this? 
Thank you and much gratitude for your advice. So Lumpurnan said, be firm in your intention and determination. If uh, these painful feelings arise, then practice to not open your eyes. Uh, recollect the Buddha. Recollect the Buddha uh, sitting under the Bodhi tree and he was ready to die, willing to accept his death and would endure anything without moving from that seat. So we can think that for ourselves we're not experiencing pain and difficulty to that degree. So we can practice to sit in our seat no matter what uh, painful feelings might arise, we practice to patiently endure. So this, uh, what you describe is an obstacle. This body is an obstacle to the gathering of the mind in samadhi. So may you be firm in your intention. Next, next question from Rachini Chai, USA. Lumpur, out of your compassion and kindness, could you guide me on how to fight with painful feelings that arise during the practice? I'm not able to do walking meditation for long periods due to having plantar fasciitis, so I need to predominantly do sitting meditation. When I sit for long, my back starts to ache. Actually, there's also pain in my legs, but I'm able to put up with this more than the back pain. I've tried to endure with and overcome this pain many times, but I've given in every time. I'm still unable to pass through this pain because when I have to struggle against it, my mind becomes restless and I can't continue cultivating samadhi. May I ask for your metta as well, Lumpur? Lumpur not answered, practice mindfulness with these painful feelings. Sometimes the painful feelings are a lot, are very intense. So do your best uh, with this. If the mind is not um, strong enough, doesn't have enough energy, then one can sit in a chair or change to a different uh, posture that's uh, more comfortable, again, like the chair. So sometimes you, you fight with the painful feelings and sometimes you can't fight, but even if you can't fight, then you keep practicing, then one day, uh, your mind can be stronger and you can overcome these painful feelings. Then you can feel uh, proud of one's efforts and proud of that one's practice has produced this uh, result. So may you have effort in your practice. So next uh, anonymous question. Namo Buddhaya Lumpur. How to deal with the unwholesome mind during meditation? So the mind thinks and takes up uh, objects, knows objects, and this thinking is normal. Thinking wholesome thoughts or unwholesome thoughts, uh, this, is, this is just normal, and these are the objects of the mind. So the mind, uh, mind objects arise and pass away like this, and this is just uh, happens according to nature. If one feels uh, a sense of self and feels that the thought is me or mine, the thought is self, then the mind can um, drop down to a lower state and feel sad and depressed about this because of the clinging to that thought. 
So you can bring the mind to be with the breath to let go of that thought and put the thought down. An important point is to not criticize or berate oneself or hate oneself for having these unwholesome thoughts because these thoughts are, are simply not one's own. They're not self, not a me, not a mine. So continue with one's Dhamma practice and these unwholesome thoughts and mind states are reduced by themselves. Next question from Jup in Thailand. My respects to Lumpur. In regards to your instructions to recollect the Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, or death during meditation, I was wondering how we should go about reflecting upon the Sangha. Thank you. So the practice of recollecting the Sangha, or Sanghanusati, this is recollecting the disciples of the Lord Buddha, those disciples who have practiced well, practiced insightfully, uh, practiced correctly, uh, practiced for the sake of ending all suffering. And these, this is, uh, these disciples are the highest in the world. So you can recollect the meditation word, Sango, 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 and just uh, recollect that these disciples of the Buddha were very intent in their practice. They practiced correctly and practiced straightforwardly. And they practiced correctly in terms of their body, speech, and mind. They practiced to lift their minds out of all suffering. So they've practiced correctly. Um, and an example of someone who's practiced properly like this is Lumpu Cha. So we can recollect just a single aspect of the Sangha as has been mentioned and bring this up as the object of the mind. Or we can repeat the mantra, Sango, Sango, Sango. Next question from Ann Tan in Malaysia. Dear Ajahn, I find it difficult to be mindful during mealtimes. I easily get caught up with the eagerness to eat the food and the taste, the smell of the food. And it's very hard for me to step back and observe the mind at these times. Can Ajahn please give some advice on how I can be more mindful when it comes to eating? Thank you, Ajahn. So this was explained in the Dhamma talk just tonight. So if one likes one's food, then chant first, bring the mind to peace first before eating. And with this uh, very good or delicious food, then one reflects when the food enters the body, then how is it then? Um, and also things like meat or vegetables must be cleaned or heated uh, before one eats them to destroy bacteria and so on. So when the food enters the body, just touching the tongue, just entering the mouth, it's already unclean right there. And if one uh, spits out the food, takes it out of one's mouth, then one can look at it and see, um, see how attractive it is then. Then after the food enters the stomach, then how uh, ugly or unappealing is it then at that point? Then after it passes through the intestines and one uh, passes it out as feces, then how unattractive and unappealing it is then. So contemplate this, contemplate this a lot to reduce liking for food.
Next question from Bieta Briceland, United Kingdom. Venerable Mungpur, please advise how to meditate on body parts correctly. For example, when considering body organs such as stomach or liver, is it necessary to know the anatomical detail? I don't have advanced knowledge of anatomy, so my visualizations are always partly conceptual and partly rely on considering the organs in terms of the four elements. Please advise on how to do this properly. Thank you for your guidance, Lumpur. May you be well always. So Lumpur Nan said, thank you, may you be well as well. So Lumpur Nan said, there's no need to know a lot. These organs inside the body, you don't need to have a lot of knowledge about them. You can simply contemplate them as the earth element and you can see that this uh, earth element uh, degrades and passes away. And just this is enough. You don't need to, or you practice to train the mind to not uh, proliferate and get lost in thinking about other things, but bring the mind to this object, uh, to this single object. So just seeing the, the bodily parts or the bodily organs as the earth element, just this is, is good enough. Uh, last question from Shiwani, India. My respects to Ajahn. How does wisdom arise? I have been practicing breath meditation. Still I find a lack of wisdom in me. I also have very low self-confidence and feel that I am not good enough. I understand this is also kind of self. Please guide in how to bring, uh, give rise to wisdom, gratitude. So this wisdom we can translate as a all-around knowing, a broad knowing. So the, the mental object that gives rise to wisdom is this nicha uh, dukkha anatta, impermanence, stressfulness, and not self. So if we have mindfulness with the breath, we see the breath come and go, arise and pass away. Seeing the in-breath arise and pass away, and the out-breath arise and pass away. So just seeing this anichang nature, this impermanent, ever-changing nature, seeing this clearly, then wisdom arises. So may you practice in this way, may you be with this object. In the beginning, you make your mind gathered in samadhi. Once your mind is peaceful, then you can see the impermanence of the in and out breathing. Okay, so the Time has arrived to close the meditation session, and Lumpur Nan wished to announce that uh, tomorrow morning he'll give the Dhamma talk at 8 a.m. Uh, instead of 8.30. Uh, Mai chai bẹt mong khương.